This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Wednesday, 16th of November, 2022. Markets churning all over the place yesterday. We had uh, what seemed to be a further melt-up in progress in early trading in the U.S. yesterday, in part driven by a strong Asian session. There's all the uh, you know, the positive vibes out in Asia from the friendly U.S. Uh, uh, and Chinese uh, or Xi Biden, I should call it, summit. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, is China starting to deal with COVID in a different way, uh, looking at uh, potential property stimulus to to prevent that sector from continuing to just, uh, you know, really further pummel growth in China. So uh, that's really helping to add to the situation. On the other hand, I think, well, as we'll say today or, or talk about today, I think we have some forward concerns on the economy elsewhere. Um, but uh, and then we have this crazy news item of what seems to have been a stray missile or two. Apparently, Peter, you're saying it was two missiles that come down in a Polish border town and, and kill two people that immediately erased the entire rally. Uh, but now we sort of bobbed back higher. I think the market, at least uh, to my mind, somewhat justifiably erasing the impact of this missile story. If it was just an accident, you know, there'll be an exchange of of uh, rhetoric on that. But in the end, it doesn't really mean anything. So. Technically, what do we have? Maybe it's a misleading reversal yesterday. Maybe not. We have to see the follow-on action for a day or so. Uh, but we have that uh, S&P 500 index, for example, working into that final resistance band we've talked about, 61.8% retracement, uh, and then up into the uh, uh, the 200-day moving average, which is coming down below 4,100. About halfway between those two is where we found resistance. To get a, you know, to start getting a negative sign, we have a lot of work to do to the downside. Uh, but uh, what are you seeing in this, this really choppy session we saw uh, yesterday? Or are you zooming out a bit here, Peter? Mm, yeah, it was a choppy session. We were down 1.3% from the intraday highs. Uh, quite a significant rejection there in the S&P 500. Um, it's been a strange month, a strange uh, strange week, and uh, you know, big overreactions in, in both directions to to different things. Um, I think the, the signal-to-noise ratio has gone down. Uh, significantly in the past couple of weeks and uh, I have zoomed out a little bit on slide two uh, zoomed out on the uh, on the months to date performance you see the MSCI world index uh, down there at 5.2% uh, up and EM uh, equities up 13% and then you see a lot of the different themes big big moves in in Chinese consumer and technology stocks uh, e-commerce gaming and, and semiconductors those themes really leading leading the decline uh, the um, the gains here in the market so um but otherwise, uh, yeah, assuming out a little bit again on slide three. Uh, I know John, you thought the headline was a little bit uh, odd, but what I wanted to uh, what I wanted to show here is just a little bit longer term perspective of what's really happening here with these uh, these high inflation rates. As um, as you can see here, these are the U.S. Uh, equities, the light blue, and and uh, government bonds, seven to ten year maturities on the dark blue line, and uh, those are. Uh, adjusted for the inflation rate. So you can see here that you know since since early, um, since early 2000 and, and, uh, and oh, sorry, I'm, I'm mixing this up. So in, in the beginning of 2019 until now, you have had a minus 20% real rate return in, in US government bonds. And you can see how equities are also coming down. It's a little bit the same story. You can also reprice it in, in commodities and you still see how, how big, uh, big an impact it has been on, on different asset classes. But it's just something to keep in mind. I just want to reiterate that story that despite we have these lower than estimated prints on, on PPI yesterday and CPI last week, the story is still that 
if you want to if you want to do well as an investor in the coming years, um, you have to you know, think about real rate returns, and you have to get you know that physical uh, exposure, right? Still have the, you still need the commodities, etc. Um, I have some more points on that when we talk about the uh, the Apple news that broke within the last twenty four hours. When we get to uh, stocks to watch today. Yeah, but let's jump to you, Ola, uh, because uh, you know we we have this uh, noise, and we you always have to develop a narrative around why the market is doing what it's doing. The narrative right now, uh, I guess, there's some tension, the concerns, uh, you know, negative concerns in the uh, in the U.S. Uh, potentially, certainly in Europe, but the opposite in Asia. Um, but but oil is not exactly anticipating a, a rosier things ahead, at least from the demand side, uh, you know, driving the price higher. So what, what what is your focus in the commodity space to get some kind of bigger confirmation signal, maybe metals or what are we supposed to look at here to for a signal from commodities? Well, I think just uh, you talked about oil just before we do that, uh, John, let's just uh, start off with slide five, because that just basically highlight the temperature in the commodity market. Uh, this is highlight showing the 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 backwardation or the, or the level strength of the the uh, or how the market is trying to measure the conditions in the market right now and, and as we see even though we've seen this economic slowdown during the past few months or many months now um, and worries about the economic outlook heading into twenty three uh, we still got um, uh, the bulk of uh, the, the major commodities trading in backwardation basically meaning that you are that consumers are prepared to pay pay a higher price for for immediate delivery compared to the price in the future. That is a reflection of a market which is which is uh, assumed to be in in, uh, in tight supply, and as we can see, the it's it's um, it's predominantly focusing right now on the on the energy sector, where we got something like diesel, which we all know has been it remains in very tight supply both in Europe and the U.S. But also uh, crude oil uh, remains in a, in a tight condition. Further in the at the belly part of the, uh, the this we find the industrial metals and uh, the, that sector is really waiting for a, a notable pickup a notable pickup in in the demand from from China and with the with the case count uh, approaching twenty thousand um, it's obviously really important to work out whether they are whether there is a shift in the tone or the way they they treat uh, these outbreaks but uh, but generally the uh, the out this monitor is still telling us that this market is, is tight and uh, and that is continue to provide the underlying support even if we potentially have a slowdown in in demand because supply is also challenged as we as we know across several several of these uh, key metals and and energy markets all right and, well what, what about the oil market then because uh, again china to my mind the one story the one story that should be really supporting the crude oil price uh, you know sine qua non it would be china's return to activity uh, or a return to uh, you know more normal economic growth, but that doesn't seem to be uh, to be helping much. Is it? The, I'm seeing your inventory chart there on slide six. I guess that might have something to do with it. Yeah, well, it helped. Uh, it helped uh, the market to uh, rally last week when we had that uh, all this uh, China-related news coming out. So, and since then we've just been drifting back down again, and uh, and we we're trading near the low end of the of the current range. I put in WTI crude today because we got the inventory report out later today. Um, it's become it's been very volatile recently. Uh, the the headline crude oil stock number uh, last week we had a. Uh, quite a sizable jump. Uh, now the API is looking for a nearly six million uh, barrel drop. Um, let's see where the where the where the actual figure lands. But uh, what we what we know for sure and what we can see from the data right now is that crude oil inventories are are okay. Uh, but uh, it, it's in the product market that we, where we have the pain and we the stress. I just highlight the gasoline stocks, which uh, which dropped to a new multi low. Uh, last week for this time of year, uh, diesel stocks uh, remains the same. Also uh, in very tight supply, and I think the 
the, you asked about the overall focus, and and right now it it's, it seems to be the the the, the demand concerns uh, weighing on the market. But we, we we have to remember that there are sanctions against Russia being implemented by Europe next month. The IEA estimates that that could take fifteen percent off uh, or reduce Russian production by fifteen percent early next year. So so but perhaps this is just a temporary lull in the market uh, as we got a weak demand situation heading into year end, but uh, the supply situation. Uh, at the start of next year, will looks equally tight, and that that is that uh, at least uh, is our baseline that we we expect that continue to uh, to underpin the price and and uh, keep that these uh, relatively elevated levels. Okay, and uh, speaking of inflation and prices, uh, we had a PPI data point yesterday, which actually proved more of a market trigger than it normally does. I think because uh, people have so many uh, have such an itchy trigger trigger finger around inflation related releases. Uh, and it was a, a really soft one across the board, really, with that X food and energy number coming in at 0.0% versus the plus 0.3 expected. Uh, and the year-on-year figures, both headline and core, were soft. The headline at 6.7%, a drop from 7.1% in the prior month and 7.2% expected. So that you know <clears throat> that was the immediate spark of that really sharp run-up. Uh, and again, the scale of that reaction, I suspect, has something to do with these uh, one-day options and gamma exposures around that. The reason it, it moves so uh, aggressively before then we had the missile news and blah 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 but the dollar also reacting interestingly around that of course uh, as one would expect uh, high risk uh, or uh, strong risk sentiment and lower u.s yields equals dollar weakness then we get the missile news and it reverses and it just shows you that the dollar will remain sensitive to uh, sentiment when it goes uh, into the tank and um and uh, so i i really think uh, the sentiment swings could be more of important more important from here than necessarily the direction in U.S. yields, certainly in things like uh, cable. And I'll show you the chart there on uh, the FX overview here on uh, uh, on slide four, a cable chart. So cable starting the day yesterday at 117.50 or so and run ran all the way up to 120 plus before reversing back to 118 and then and closing the day uh, and somewhere below 119. So uh, very twitchy there. And we have a very strong UK CPI number this morning for October, the opposite of what we're seeing in the U.S. lately. Uh, you know, grinding currency weakness in, in recent months has been a driver there as well as energy prices. But 11.1% year on year, a new cycle high uh, for the UK and, of course, multi-decade high. That versus 10.7% expected in the previous 10.1. So it rose a whole a full percentage point from the prior uh, on the year on year. And the uh, the core at a cycle high matching 6.5%. <clears throat> this only means that the the either the Bank of England needs to tighten more or the and or the fiscal a program is going to have to be that much more austere from here. It just means it compounds the risks for the economic recession incoming for the UK. And I don't think it's sterling positive, but uh, for now, it does seem that sterling and sterling dollar is just incredibly high beta to risk sentiment. And uh, uh, to my mind, just almost mental. And it's the price action here. Very curious to see how sterling reacts to the budget statement tomorrow. Long term, very skeptical on sterling's outlook, <clears throat> but that's not to say if we get a further melt up in risk that takes equity markets globally higher, another few percent that we can't get to new highs here in cable. Again, look at that chart there on slide four. To what degree was yesterday's reversal a product of this this random uh, missile event, or and to what degree is does it reflect the uh, actual uh, potential exhaustion of this this move? I, I simply don't know. It's it's a very very uh, a dodgy market. Okay, 
let's get back over to you, Peter, because you mentioned uh, you hinted at a story I think is the, the biggest story across the equity market. Uh, two big stories, and I want to follow up on the, the Walmart story as well later. But this Apple news uh, about uh, wanting to resource production uh, to the U.S., I think it's a massive, uh, a massive signal, and it's, it's been a long time coming, I suppose. Yeah, it has it has it has been um, the whole pandemic uh, pulled our attention to global supply chain and the risk involved, the increasing geopolitical risk, the tension between the U.S. and China, you know, that competition there, um, also China's uh, you know, the whole the whole situation around Taiwan, Taiwan being a super important area in the world for global supply chains and semiconductors, um, and that was and then after the war in in, uh, in Ukraine. It catapulted this U.S. Chips Act. Probably had been underway for a couple of years, um, which is basically aiming, uh, with a lot of incentives and 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 U.S. tax dollars, uh, to reshore a meaningful part of the global supply chain of semiconductors back to the U.S. Um, also Europe. Um, and and the the new string we've had is that Apple initially moved some production to to India. So that was sort of the first step in trying to de-risk global supply chains. The second move now was Tim Cook announcing yesterday that they have already uh, signed a deal to accept uh, chips from a manufacturing plant in Arizona uh, starting early 2024, and they are making plans to uh, to uh, acquire chips as well from uh, from local manufacturers in in Europe as soon as the time allows it. So. You, you. I, I think it's there's there's big moves here, and you have the uh, TSMC. You know, we talked about it yesterday. Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, taking this four billion dollar stake in the company. Um, they are also announced recently. I think it was last week that they are building a new uh, U.S. manufacturing hub in in Arizona, building out that uh, physical capacity in in the U.S. and 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 maybe also down the line in in Europe. And I, I think the the big arc here is that. That the 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 world, at least on semiconductors, because it's such important for the modern world, will be uh, will be uh, will be split in two, and we'll have a much more meaningful part coming uh, from the developed world, and that means, uh, I think, you know, more inflation for some consumer electronics. So I think that's the that was the big story uh, from uh, from Apple overnight, and then also Limited reporting um, earnings yesterday, uh, a, a narrow Q3 uh, operating loss. Uh, a, a clearer path to profitability, uh, and they did lower the guidance on the gaming business. But the uh, investors were so excited over that this company has finally acknowledged that they are bloated with uh, with operating expenses, and that should they they need to be more aggressive on getting uh, to become self funded. And uh, the share price were up thirty six percent yesterday, and you can see the share price in a in a in a bigger scheme of things there on a five year horizon. And then, John, you're right about the whole uh, Walmart, uh, Home Depot, I and mean, the those being two big U.S. retailers, the reaction function was different because Walmart actually hiked their uh, their guidance on margins, and and investors were very pleased about that. Um, and and they also seeing uh, bigger uh, bigger tickets from their customers coming in. Uh, we know there's a lot of substitution effect from from uh, uh, <clears throat> in the U.S. to Walmart, as you pointed out in the internal meeting. Uh, it's really the go-to place for the uh, lower uh, middle income class in the U.S. or or around you know. In the, around that uh, part of the income distribution, uh, six hundred billion dollars in in revenue uh, did they pass over the past twelve months? So um, it's a it's a huge one. And then, but the reaction in Home Depot was even more negative because Home Depot was quite frank in that the 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 beat on their numbers was purely because of prices and inflation. It had nothing to do with volume. Actually, uh, customer activity is coming down for Home Depot, so that share price were uh, reacted uh, negatively to that news.
Yeah, well, the, you know, the main point of Walmart being that if people are trading down to Walmart, there's there's a bit of a cultural thing around where you shop in the U.S., just as there is just about everywhere. Do you shop at the the fancier grocery store? Or do you go to the discount grocery store a bit more? And uh, to me, that's a, a negative forward sign for the U.S. economy. Certainly, if uh, those that are used to being target shoppers or they're more expensive, uh, you know, local grocery store shoppers are are starting to put more of their basket or their you know the consumption basket or their consumption over into Walmart suggests. Uh, negative forward potential uh, for the U.S. economy. Uh, but we still have plenty of earnings uh, rolling in here in uh, in coming days, uh, Peter. And you've got the overview here on slide nine. I guess uh, NVIDIA has to be a really interesting one, uh, given all the fuss uh, in the uh, the crypto sector, as well as, uh, uh, you know, this idea, or not the idea, but some, some news items at times saying that it just doesn't pay to do any uh, Bitcoin mining. So there's uh, a big, uh, you know, a lot of these used uh, NVIDIA equipment coming out on the market. Yeah, the market is getting flooded, um, and we we've talked about it on this podcast before. I mean, it's so hilarious that you you have Nvidia that rally or never wants to mention crypto at all, as as it's miraculously is not part of their business. While it's very clear to everyone that it it is a pretty big part, you can see that you know, there's a very clear causation that every time we have a crypto window, it it impacts uh, Nvidia's business. So I, I I don't know why they don't want to be. I, I can understand why they don't want to be associated, but one thing is. That you don't want that but the other thing is just you know, reality is what it is and, and maybe it's because it's just very difficult for them to track where those gpus are going and for what use uh, but the clear thing is that you know revenue is expected as you can see on slide nine is a insert there revenue is expected to decline 18 percent earnings per share down 31 percent um and i i just really I, i'm really curious to see what the what nvidia's management will say about this whole uh, crypto window and what what they see in the in the other parts of the of the uh, of the business so and then it is it is a bill whether it's it's a top 20 stock in the s p 500 uh, a clear potential mover for the overall um computer chips and and semiconductors industry and then we have Tencent also reporting uh, today, later today, uh, their revenue is expected to be down 1%. They're facing all these regulatory headwinds uh, in, in China, and um, they announced a, a new round of layoffs yesterday. So um, it's still it's still a very tough times for, for Chinese technology stocks, despite the, the recent weeks of, uh, of rally. Yeah, and then uh, Target, uh, not at one. You know, this is not a trader stock, just like Walmart is not a trader stock, but but it's uh, it's you know the somewhat more upscale Walmart. So it's interesting to see if if that some of that substitution is away from their stores. I remember they got hit at one point last year by having overstocked up and and having to write down a lot of inventory. So that was interesting. And then that applied materials on Thursday has to be interesting as well with all the fuss about new uh, semiconductor capacity needing to be reshored and rebuilt in uh, Europe and the U.S. I imagine they have to be absorbing. Some of that demand as a builder of the stuff that builds uh, chips. Yeah, I would uh, I would suspect. Um, so yeah, tomorrow is an interesting day. Also applies materials, but also I'm really looking forward to Siemens because that's something you and I have been talking about, John. This whole uh, crunch in 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 the German industrial economy from the from the energy shock. All these news that you know the industry in, in Germany is just terrified and and unsure what to do. And I'm just curious to see what the, what Siemens uh, what their take is on all of this because they still have production in 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 Germany. Yeah, and uh, we like I was commenting the uh, was the DAX I believe was had risen back to levels above the day when Russia invaded Ukraine, even though that action. And the likely permanent cutoff of natural gas means that much of the German industrial model may be completely in existential doubt from here on out. So uh, 
it, it's pretty remarkable stuff uh, one has to say um and back then uh german 10-year rates were were negative now they're plus 200 plus basis points so on the uh, the multiple side of things things not looking exactly as bright uh, either so it's a curious it's a curious world we live in and uh, we'll see where things uh, settle on that front for today i think the focus switches back over to the us and that october retail sales print you know are we starting to see some more weakness creeping in here or is it not really coming up until the next uh, few months or into next year um but it's already been pretty weak if we look at where we are this is a this is a data point is reported on a nominal basis month to month and the headline has been at around 0% if we just average the last 3 months and only 0.36% positive on the ex food and energy uh, side of it is is expected strong today on the headline at plus 1% but only plus 0.2 on the uh, on the core there so yeah further uh, further uh, potential signs of weakness there if that comes in as expected in AHB housing market index, one of the better leading indicators on the strength in the U.S. housing market. This has been falling very rapidly, but it's for some reason expected to stabilize in November. I'm not sure why that's the case. And then I think uh, quite interesting, just a test of whether the Fed is seen as still providing enough, uh, you know, uh, bombast in his hawkish rhetoric to move the market. We have probably the most hawkish Fed member. He's on the board of governors, Waller, out speaking late today. And it looks to be a general... Uh, a speech on the, the economic outlook, etc. So that will be very interesting to see if a, a, a sudden sort of brushback against the market, hawkish rhetoric is able to make any impact, or if the market is just purely zeroed in on these uh, incoming uh, data points. And then the UK autumn budget statement, just a massive, massive test of confidence um, in the sterling tomorrow, in sterling tomorrow. Again, we're very concerned for the medium to long term, but it seems that sterling is really just trading on uh, risk sentiment swings here. Could something in that statement and, and the conclusions drawn from it uh, change the uh, change the outlook? We have a, a bad recession incoming in the UK, and austerity is certainly not going to help, and that is currency negative as well. All right, it's been a long one today. I think we'll just cut it off there. And uh, stay careful out there. Uh, volatility is, uh, I think, at risk of picking up again. And uh, yeah, we'll see where things stand with tomorrow's Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.